0: Welcome to episode 41 of the Unstoppable Podcast with special guest, Daryl Abansky. My name is Dan J. Gregory and I am committed to hunting down the secrets of business mastery and human performance. My goal for the Unstoppable Podcast is to share insights from some of the most successful entrepreneurs, inspiring thought leaders, world-class athletes and prominent celebrities to help you to become unstoppable in business and life. Each week I'll be bringing you a new interview with an inspiring person and sharing my own results as I pursue the answer to the question, how can I create the ultimate edge of my business, make a significant impact and live an extraordinary life? Welcome to episode 41 of the Unstoppable Podcast. Earlier this week, we talked about creating massive change in your life by the process of raising your standards, and last week, we heard from Dallas' Michael Sear about unlocking your purpose, so be sure to check out both episodes. Today is The Dan and Daryl Show. Let me explain. If you listened to my interview with Julian Hosp several weeks back, you'll know that that interview happened as somewhat of an emergency. I'd been unwell for around three weeks, bedridden, and then directly upon recovering, I ended up cycling across Europe through the Alps, and then came back to the UK, moved house, and then went on a stag weekend. This was quite an intense time. And because of all of this, I found myself short of a guest that particular week. So I posted in various different groups that I belonged to on Facebook, and lots of people kindly volunteered to come to the rescue. And Dr. Julian Hosp was the first to the mark. However, I've been incredibly fortunate as a result of that situation to connect with many amazing entrepreneurs. And as such, I had the great pleasure of meeting Daryl Urbanski. Daryl Urbanski is the founder and president of bestbusinesscoach.ca. He is best known for his ability to create seven-figure automated income streams from scratch. Daryl is a canadian turned so living the dream, and he has quickly climbed the entrepreneurial ladder, gaining the respect from thousands of small business owners worldwide. From author to speaker, marketer to coach, Daryl's multifaceted business approach sets him apart as one of the leading business experts of his generation. And I've been fortunate to spend a good amount of time with Daryl recently, hence the title The Dan and Daryl Show. Plus, I'll be appearing as a guest on his podcast, The Best Business Podcast, in the near future. So the show today with Daryl is part one of three within a special business series, which also features internet titans Justin Brooke and Ben Simpkin over the coming weeks. So let's kickstart this mega series, the Super Bowl of Podcasts. I'm excited to jump into today's session, the first part of this mega business series. Welcome to the Dan and Daryl Show on the Unstoppable Podcast. Big welcome to Daryl Obansky to today's show. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, Daryl. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor and a pleasure, of course. Well, you and I have spent some time together the last couple of weeks. It's been a real pleasure. And what I will tell you guys listening to the show, Daryl is like a walking encyclopedia of business and marketing. So I'm absolutely excited to get into some real chunky gold today. So, But before we kick off, Daryl, would you mind just introducing yourself in your own words and telling the listeners who you are and what you're all about?
1: Sure. So, hey, everyone. Nice to meet you. Uh, shake your hand if you're here in person. Uh, yeah, my name is Daryl Urbanski. I'm a Canadian who's traveled the world, lived all over. And when people ask what I do, I tell them I help businesses with websites generate leads and sales. Uh, if people ask more, I say, well, it means I'm a business coach and a marketing consultant. Um, and if I were at a really geeky like marketing conference, I would probably just introduce myself as a direct response database automation marketer. Um, so, in a nutshell, it's kind of what I do.
0: Awesome. And, and I know you've got a pretty meaty vision as well. Would you mind sharing your, your big vision?
1: Yes, I have a mission to help create 200 new entrepreneurs who solve world problems with entrepreneurship. And how? Well, you'll do better when you know better. Um, yeah, and it's it comes from... That uh, I guess it's my interview, so I can go ahead and rant if I want. It comes from I had my first time I helped build a seven-figure funnel, and I was actually kind of bummed out because uh, I know that might sound crazy. Like I was making more money than I've ever made before in my life, but I set a goal I thought to make a million dollars for myself. Now it's one of those things be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Because when I go look back at what my goal was, it was to generate a million dollars, which I did. And I was talking with a friend, and I was kind of like depressed because my goal date was coming up, and I gave you know I had this, you know, it was around my birthday, and he was like, "Well, dude, like what?" About what about your client? Like I was working with John Asraf at the time from the movie The Secret, really big name. Um, I was like, you're right. And I went home and I opened up our, our account and looked at the stats. I realized that, in about four months, four and a half months, we were on par. We had just done like $1.3, $1.4 million. By the next 10 days, we would have done $1.6 and That would have been a clear net million dollars for the company. I realized that I did it. And I called my buddy up and he was like, man, if I knew the people you knew could have the conversations with them that you have, I'd do a multi-million dollar uh, or million dollar marketing campaigns as well. And so that's kind of what... Spurred that to help create 200 new multimillionaires, and I actually just connected. Um, I do have my podcast of my own, and we are soon uploading an interview I did with my assistant there, where now I was updated. It's kind of cool to be able to say this, but they've in less than three years that funnel I built has now done just under 7.5 million dollars. Wow, which is crazy. Now it's not; it's it's a team effort, and it is an automated funnel for the most part. Uh, but it's still work, and the sense that you're still serving people, you know, and like even if the food delivery and all that was automated, someone's got to go and clean up the garbage. So, you know, it was like customer service rep, uh, Kent, my assistant. We had an agency to help with paid media and some software tools, and like that was it. Um, wow. So, wow. but yeah, so the mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire entrepreneurs, and why it's not that it's about the money, it's about the volume of people you serve. You know, I don't want to. You can make a difference. Even in one person's life, can have a big impact. Um, so maybe in that sense, I'm I'm very uh, greedy, but I want to have a greater impact, and that's part of why you know, I had I've had a couple businesses of my own. And every business needs a couple hundred to a couple thousand customers to stay afloat. And then I realized just helping some of my friends that were having successes in their businesses that, wow, through them, I'm affecting their customers. And then I Mm. realized if I could help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners, that would literally mean thousands of business owners that I've helped. And if every business needs a couple hundred, couple thousand customers, then I've literally influenced tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of people's lives. So
0: Awesome. So before we dive into kind of your entrepreneurial beginnings, what, what led you to settle on 200
1: Yeah, to be honest, it was because in one of the meetings, because when I was working with John, we did have a business coaching uh, division of what we were doing. And he had talked about, we should set a goal to help create some new million, uh, multimillionaires that in our promotion. Cause we were like, you know, we want to do a promotion, uh, beef up some of the stuff that we were, the programs that we had on that side. And his original idea was, well, let's talk about like helping other people make become millionaires. I was like, that's a great idea. It never took off. It was like one of those meetings that we had a conversation and then, you know, never, nothing ever happened of it, but he set the goal. He's like, yeah, we should say we're going to help like 20,000 people or something. And in my head, I'm just like, that's you because know, John's a big thinker, right? He's like, he's really big thinker. And in my head, I'm like, one, I just don't think anyone's really going to believe that. You know, like it was just a little too far fetched. But I think that in the lifetime of my career, with the people that I've helped, and even the track record I've got, I think I can, I could, I think 200 is very
0: realistic. So, cool. Um, that's what, that's how it came to, came so, to be. So, Darren, where did your entrepreneurial journey begin?
1: That's an interesting uh, question. You know, and I took down some notes, and there's the things I usually say for a lot of interviews, but, um. I don't like I don't even know. I think it came I mean this is just kind of an insight to having cuz I get asked this a lot. And I think it comes like honestly it just comes from even before that like I was adopted, so I was an orphan and you know before I knew I was adopted, I always felt like I didn't fit in. And different like in my family, places like it wasn't like I didn't they didn't like me, but like people liked me, you know, and I could hang, you know what I mean? We laughed, my friends, but it wasn't like it's like if you were a purple kid living in a house with like, it doesn't matter if your family's white, black, brown, whatever. But if you were purple, you'd be like, "My skin's purple, and everyone's not," and you'd just be like, "Something's weird here," you know. And it's like you don't know how to ask. So when you say the entrepreneurial journey, I think even back then, I just because I felt different, I felt like I always had to walk my own path. But really, I've always been fond of being an entrepreneur because uh, my my step adopted dad's brother. In Toronto, uh, was an entrepreneur, and I remember when we would go visit him. People were coming over. One time we came over, and like this lady brought like a flower, a bunch of flowers and fruit and stuff. And I just felt like every time I went to visit him, people were coming and saying thank you. Like they were just really grateful for the things he was doing for them. He was in property management, and these were tenants and stuff coming and talking. But uh, for me, it just it left the impression that a business owner. You know, really helps people and provides a lot of service, like, you know, and, and meanwhile, flip to the side, not quite rich dad, poor dad, but, you know, my father come home and he just complained about the coworkers that he worked with. And, he, of course, he'd have victories, too, but I never saw that appreciation from other people. And, um, again, it coming back to, I guess, having been adopted that uh, finding a sense of belonging or finding that you are valued in, an, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a community is an important thing um so i think it starts from way back there i mean even when i was a kid i wanted to make money and so my parents paid me to babysit my little brother and it wasn't enough so i started trying to babysit other little kids and i took on this kid's you know this other kid's paper route and i was you know i had a lemonade stand and i mean ever since i was a kid i did that buddy of mine we used to go in the wintertime in canada we used to uh shovel driveways for money you know so i've done a lot of different things uh, no no wonder
0: why you focus on scalable campaigns there with a background like that
1: Well, yeah, because I've worked really hard. I mean, even when I I remember I was living in Tokyo, and at one point I was working for Shinsei Bank as a consultant uh, slash English teacher. Because in Japan, uh, if you're living in Japan, everything everything has a component of English coaching and teaching because not everyone's native level. Mm. Um, So, but I was working there, and great, I was making 60 bucks an hour. But I mean, some days just the money. Like, it just wasn't, you know, it didn't matter. Like, I was just, I'm just done. It's like a workout. Like, you, you might want to burn the calories, but at some point you're like, uh, I just, like, I'm done. Like, I got no more. So it's like, all right, well, how do I get past this ceiling? And I didn't really know. And it, you know, it's been mentors and experiences and just diving in and learning and just enjoying the journey.
0: So. Um, and how, how, did you, how, did, how did you end up working with John Assaraf?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. So, was in Japan doing the freelance thing, making really good money. Decided to travel the world with my girlfriend at the time. We were together about almost six years before we we decided to go our separate ways. And you know, spent uh, spent a month in Thailand, nine weeks in Africa. You know, just did a whole bunch of stuff. And we came back. It was right before the recession hit, and we started getting looking for jobs. And we wanted to get into real estate. We got a job working for this company, Homestead. Uh, And they told us we were going to be property managers, and we were going to have a portfolio of, uh, you know, possibly up to a thousand units. And but first, we had to start off as superintendents to learn the job that we were going to eventually be managing people doing. And we did that, and the recession hit, and suddenly all the training dates that we had for project management and this promotion we were going to get were canceled. And um, shortly after, like we, you know, just wasn't the income, wasn't the life that we wanted, all that stuff. So. Uh, I left. I started trying to find other ways to make money. I was looking into becoming a manager uh, of a couple different gyms in town, and I was training at a martial arts school, <clears throat> and um, or I had been training at a martial arts school. Sorry, yes. in Japan, I trained some. I trained somewhere else. When I came back, I didn't want to go back to that school. Uh, it was a great school. I just it wasn't quite what I was looking for. So I had my own little rec club kind of going. There's a military base nearby. And anyways, long story short is a friend told me I should talk to the owners of that school about buying it. And we worked on it and I almost got it, but it kind of didn't work out. A friend of mine decided he wanted it more. There was some drama around that. Well, but I yeah. ended up going and, and launching my own thing anyways, because I already had the rec club. I was like, forget it, I already have a rec club. I'm just gonna start charging money for it and treat it. you know. There's a mentor of mine that I had at the time said, If you treat your business like a hobby, it'll pay you like a hobby. If you treat your business like a business, it will pay you like a business. So I was like, this is just a hobby right now. Let me make it a business. So I, you know, I built the martial arts school. I built up the six figures. I had four or five instructors and a head instructor, and I had a couple sales reps, and I had a admin team, and a lot of it was automated, Um, and I got really comfortable, and I got kind of bored, so then I put together a promotion to go back to Japan. I was feeling nostalgic. wanted to go back, and I wanted to do all the favorite things from the three years that I lived there, and so I, you know, and- I put together a promotion, I got put in uh, the industry magazines, and I got celebrity endorsements uh, and all sorts of stuff. And I did something, uh, TravelTrainJapan.com, that site's still up. And there's a promo video on that, and it's really just an application form. And then we did phone sales, and we sold $10,000 trips to Japan for a 30-day trip. And I took care of everything, the flight, the accommodation, all that, spoke the language, knew the terrain. And I did that for 30 days. And right before I left, a buddy of mine, Corey, uh, had just gotten promoted from he was running a satellite office of a of a company called Ottawa Kiosk, uh, which was like a 1.4 million dollar company out of Ottawa. And he was running their Kingston office, and he got promoted to CEO. And he called me up because him and I met, and we were both kind of. The, he was the only other online marketer I knew, even though I had the martial arts school I was doing a lot of online stuff, mm. or at least offline to online. And, uh, so we would shoot ideas back and forth and I was going to these conferences and, you know, even though my martial arts school is making six figures, I was spending a ton. I was spending almost all my money on coaching and books. And like, anytime someone mentioned a book, like, I was listening to interviews like this. So it was probably like a lot of your listeners. Like I was consuming info As much as I could, you say I'm an encyclopedia, it's not because I'm super smart. It's just I've soaked in like I've just, you know what I mean? Like I've just marinated in the info so much. Um, I was even volunteering. Like I was a mastermind groups and I would volunteer and I'd be, it'd be Friday night. My friends would be going to a party. I'd be like, ah, it's okay. I got to help my buddy with his business. Mm. And I get on and we do like a Skype call and we'd be like, all right, what's the problem? And like, you know, I'm just helping people out. Um, and so it was a total sidebar because when Corey got promoted, he called me up. I was like, "No, dude, you don't understand. I'm putting you on." He congratulated. Or he told me about it. I was like, "Congratulations, great! You know, I'm leaving Japan in two days." He's like, "Oh, well, when you come back, I, I need you. I've never been a CEO before. I'm putting you on retainer. It's going to be twenty five hundred a month, and I just need you to be available for some calls during the week, like conference calls and stuff." I was like, "Wait, really?" And I was in Japan thinking about it, and I'm like, "Man." Maybe I'm in the wrong industry because even though my martial arts school was like the classes and that, like I had a class schedule and I didn't have to do everything. It was still, you know, you lose members and especially the town I was in was very seasonal. Um, Like it's a student town. So every summer it was like, like classes were empty, even though you were getting money. Like it's not fun to run in, you know, uh, uh, it's funner when classes are fuller basically, Mm. no matter how much money you're making. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I'm in the wrong business. And so I wrote three books, very short books. I call them business books for busy people. And I put them up on Amazon and I put some of what I teach behind it. And I got some traction and one of them started to take off. And so I put... Uh, all my efforts into that, and I got it to hit number one on Amazon for the top 100 in marketing and sales, and that got me on television, radio, newspaper, yada yada yada. And actually, along all this path of all the mentorship programs I was in, and all the coaching stuff I do, and the products I bought, I become really good friends with a guy Jermaine Griggs, who's got does quarter of a million a month, and he's literally got the four hour work week. Took him ten years to get there. Brilliant guy. Everything he does is is just beautiful. Uh, he just really knows his stuff. Really, really knows his stuff. And we become really close friends. And. Um, I kicked him in the butt about something and he had made a product and launched it. And so I was one of the people helping support this product because I was kind of part of the impetus of him doing it, or I guess the, the reason why he did it. And I watched and helped him do it. It's all his content. I don't want to take any credit for it whatsoever. I didn't help with the marketing materials or that. Well, like, anyways, he it was his thing. But because I was so closely connected to it and to him, I was kind of like one of the support people, right? So he mm. launched this program on how he built and automated his business and all this stuff. And it filled in some of the gaps for me. And I just got connected to John through that community. And John was looking for someone to be a marketing director. And I didn't even, I wasn't interested in a job. I had my martial arts school. I'd just done this thing. And I thought, you know, the Japan trip. And I thought it was going to be an annual thing. Uh, But I didn't like the small town I was in in Canada. And I don't know, I just, I reached out because I knew who John was. And and next thing you know, I got on the phone and I I got pre-screened for an interview and they had me do some sort of aptitude test. And suddenly John's on the phone with me saying, hey, you scored really well on this aptitude test. Uh, I'd like to fly you to San Diego. And I went and met him and we shook hands and he offered me a deal I could not refuse and a percent of everything I helped him make. And uh, that's kind of what kicked that off.
0: Wow. 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 So. An amazing journey, crammed so much in. That story. What kind of time frame are we talking about, from start to finish? That was from the martial the martial arts school
1: is about three years, three and a half years from going from rec club to, well, yeah, about three years. I mean, to getting it where I wanted. It was already up and like we were profitable from day one because I already had. I didn't even realize it, but I already had a free user base. You know what I mean? That I just subscribe, like up. You know, hey, if you just want to come the one day, the Saturday, a week, that's fine. But if you want to come more classes, it's you know, it was boom. It was profitable. Done. Um, and I managed to luck out, and we started. We started in a church, so my overhead was like five hundred bucks a month for the space, and things just came together. And so I got, I started that business up for like less than two grand, three grand. So I was profitable pretty quick. And so it was about three years, I'd say, from when I started that. And, yeah, and then when I launched the travel train Japan, and then when i I started working for John,
0: and then how long were you with John for?
1: I was with John for eight months. um That's a whole different story on its own. uh it was a great experience. I learned a lot um One of the things that I will say is it was really bewildering for me, and I think this is something that's important for everyone here. That's listening to this call is it was really bewildering for me because I put all these people up on a pedestal. Probably people who listen to this might even have me and might know of me, or, you know, or even after this interview might put me on a pedestal. Uh, and so when I went to San Diego, it was like the center of the universe for online marketing. And I was in, and when I went, it like instantly because it was John, I got plugged into all these phenomenal people and all these great groups. And one of the things I felt like, and I, I really want to try and sound humble when I say this, but I was just shocked with how little some of these people knew. And I felt like. But for martial arts term, I felt like the kid that came to like the grand temple where it all began. And then I'm one of the top students. And it's like, but I've been training in the backwoods with nobody but my imaginary ninja friends in the forest that I'm fighting. Like that's what it felt like because it was just me, like, you know, in this small town in Kingston. And like I said, me and Corey were like the only online marketers I knew, spending everything I had just to try to connect with people like me and go to every conference I could. And, you know, and I was always in the audience. And I didn't really ever compare like my results of what I was doing next to someone else's and stuff. And so I went to San Diego. It was a huge eye-opener for me. And it just really shows that. Like things like this podcast, like it's really valuable. I mean, there's no magic room. The stuff we're going to talk about today, like this is all the real, like it's, it's it. Like there's no, there's no secret and we're not going to hang up and Dan and I are going to go, all right, now we got all the BS (laughs) out of the way. Let's talk about the real stuff that we're like, it's it. And it's, you know, and it's just, it's, it's.
0: I tell you the big thing I took from that. And I think it's a really important lesson in itself is that it's very easy to put other people in your industry or or in business on a pedestal. And then what that does, and this, this came from an interview with a guy called Rob Moore, um, a British entrepreneur. And he said, when you put someone on a pedestal, you put yourself on in, in the pit because you're elevating someone else. And as a result of that, it causes self doubt. And when you and I had a long conversation about mindset yesterday, but, um, when when you do that there's plenty of people getting started in business and they they see people in their industry achieving all these things or on the surface it's the top of the iceberg yes and they they then belittle themselves saying i need to do this or i need to learn that before i do this and that's often not the case and i think your point there is so spot on you know these people are probably put on the pedestal by their audience in the the industry or whatnot but it's not the case that you know the, the thing is it's so easy to forget how much you know as well like you know, I said you, it was a compliment that you were walking in encycl- uh, encyclopedia, but it's very easy to forget just how knowledgeable and how much ability you have when you—that's all you focus on. When you take yourself out of the context and speak to a beginner again, it's like, holy cow, I'm actually—I'm yep. actually an expert here. Yeah. So I think that pedestalization of people is such a dangerous game to do, especially when you're starting out in business because you think you need to do all these things before you can get into the marketplace. But the reality is, you know, they actually probably keep it more simple than you think.
1: You're right. You're totally right on that. And the other part is thinking that you don't know enough. You know, there there's a great Bruce Lee quote, you know, I fear the man who's practiced one kick a thousand times more than the man who's practiced a thousand kicks once. And that's really important because the guy that's practiced that thousand kicks, he'll hit you with that kick no matter what you do. Like he's practiced it so much, he'll it's like it's like green eggs and Dr. Sue's green eggs and hams. He'll kick you on a boat, he'll kick you in a moat, he'll kick you next to a mouse, he'll kick you like it doesn't matter what you do, he's practiced that so well. Sure, he might be a one trick pony. But he's going to get you. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean. And so that's the other problem that you have to watch out for is people thinking, "Oh, well, what about the next shiny object?" You know. And it's the beautiful thing is a lot of the stuff is principle based. A lot of the you know was it uh, principles, uh, tactics frequently change, strategies. Sometimes, but rarely change, and principles almost never change. And exactly. so that's one of the beautiful things uh, about it, you know. And uh, I always say this I'm like, the one thing a, m- a monk will never tell you is that movement is better than meditation. And what I mean by that is you can meditate on something for days on end, but you'll never know until you get some movement with it and once you get some movement you'll get positive or negative feedback and guess what you do you course correct and then you keep moving and you get more feedback and guess what you do you course correct you know and so you can meditate all day but you'll still be where you're sitting
0: That's a big lesson I've learned in my own life. You know, you can't, you you can't think yourself out of a problem. You have to engage, you have to take action. If you're making a decision about which route to take, there's a path A, B or A, B, C, D, you know, however many choices you have. The only way to understand if you're walking the right path is to take the first step down the path.
1: Yeah, yeah. And knowledge and experience definitely help. I mean, you know, um, but... Yeah, for a lot of people, it's like I remember, again, going back to the martial arts school, I still do this business coaching. People are like, is this right? I'm like, do it 10 more times and come back, and I guarantee you'll be doing it better. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like, you know, students come to, oh, hey, hey, and I'm like, how many times have you done it? Three times? Okay, do it 20 more times, and then come talk to me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, because, yeah, you kind of, like, as long as you got the kind of right idea, next you just got to gotta figure it out. You got to walk through it. You got to get into your muscle memory, you know, like, anyways. So.
0: so to complete the story, then obviously you were working with John and then fill in, fill in the gaps between uh, working with John and t- to where you are now.
1: Sure. So um, so things with John went really, really well. Um, and we started making a ton of money and we started building the team. And then there was some inner office politicals things that I just wasn't okay with. And so I walked and After that, I mean, I started working. I did. I started doing more coaching and consulting. After I left that, I had a lot of people reaching out to me to look at their businesses and to bring that expertise that I brought to John. Um, You know, because a lot of people, anyways, it's not my place to say. A lot of people were had a lot of respect for what I helped John accomplish, and so that's basically what happened. And I just got caught up, and then I went through a couple of waves of uh, taking on clients. And like, I had one client. Um, she's in a really nice niche. She doesn't want me to talk about which niche. It's one of those things that when you're in a good niche, uh, don't tell people, <laughs> right? Because otherwise, everyone's in that niche. Yep. Um, but she had a webinar. She was doing sixty thousand around that a month, and then I helped her with that, and we scaled up to over a hundred thousand. Excuse me. And then I hooked her up with a, an advertising oil. We got connected with an advertising agency, and after that they were just kind of driving traffic and Then the last I heard she had a six hundred thousand dollar month and then I went on and 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 repeated that sort of thing a couple of times over so it uh, that's really kind of what's been and I went through iterations of doing these these things for clients and then getting um, frustrated that I'm helping these people have these major wins and and almost like feeling like I'm not having the impact I should have and then trying to go back to do my own stuff but then getting involved cuz I'm an entrepreneur and I have ADD in the sense <laughs> that it's fun like it's I I really enjoy client work because if one you get to meet all the people on the team you get to learn stuff that you don't even know or just be reminded of things that you already knew and it's again it's it's I'm all about like reping it out and that's the thing is like when you work on your own project you don't necessarily always get to rep it out as much if that makes sense i like to I mean, just straight up, I really like to be and consider myself like the guy that would, you know, be in City Park in New York playing eight games of chess. And he would just be sitting there with all like I like I love that. Like put me with a project manager and a team and I am like I am like a kid in a candy store, you know? And um so anyway, so that's basically what I've done. I've brought I've had clients, we've had some wins, and I fired some clients, and I got clients again. And that's really kind of what brings us to today. I took time off. Um, I came to visit family up in Canada because I was in San Diego, and then I ran into an issue getting back into the States because of immigration stuff and then I ended up being stuck here uh, i 'm still in Canada now while paperwork was pending, and then you know I met my girlfriend got a dog, and so that 's really kind of what brings us to present day um you know that there' it 's I mean, one of the questions I know that you're going to ask me is about challenges, and it was a real challenge for me when I first left John because, you know, one of the first things that happened when I was there is uh, we were really in a in a bad scenario. I didn't know. I moved and, and changed my life and everything down to San Diego and then found out that the business of the company was in a bad scenario. Uh, and we, we had – this is the other thing. Like, you ever heard t- people tell you, like, either put a gun to your head or burn the boats type thing? Mm. Like, we had to make – A solid one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you know, or else it was just going to not be a really good scenario. And I'd never done, you know, I hadn't done a quarter of a million dollars in a year, let alone like in a month. And we did it, you know, we did a, put a promotion together and launched it, and we did it. We did two hundred twenty thousand in October, and it was, you know, it was a great experience. And then again, having built this automated funnel, which I did evenings and weekends on my own time because of that that fear that I had was put into me when I came and I, you know, I move, you move somewhere and you, you uproot everything, you know. And it's like someone if they left a corporate job for right to, and it wasn't that because I, I was being paid. You know, but it just was a. It sounded like a bleak scenario, and I might be blowing it out of proportion. Um, but we did that, and so one of the things that was a challenge for me is when I left, because when I left, the terms that I left, um, you know, there was no handshake, there was no golden watch or anything like that. And for me, and part of it's also, I think, because what I did wasn't necessarily exceptional for John, considering that he's been a part of a lot of multi-million-dollar businesses. Mm. But for me, it was like a like like a life achievement, like no one in my family. You know what I mean? Like yes, yes. And so that was a challenge just mentally. And it really took me a couple of clients before I got my confidence back because I was like, was it even me? Like was it and it re- and this is a legitimate, I'm just being honest thing. And now obviously not only that, but with the interview I'd done with Kent and other people on the team. You know, they're like, dude, what you built has been a legacy here, and it's been paying for every like, it's been paying for all the experiments and all the fails. Because that's the other thing is a lot of marketing fails. That's what a lot of people don't realize. Nine out of ten marketing campaigns don't go in. Nine and a half out of ten marketing campaigns don't get anywhere. That's why it's important to fail fast. And so, anyway, so that's that's been. Uh, Overcoming that was a big one. But, you know, that's where I was a little shy the next project, but hey, all right, man, we did a hundred thousand this month. That's great. Hey, we got six hundred thousand dollars a month. And then getting another client, you know. And then in, in twenty minutes finding hundred and ten thousand dollars in her business that she didn't even know was there. Wow. Um, like li- like literally, we just hired someone and gave them a script and had them call people and collect the money and it was great. Um, and just all sorts of stuff. So suddenly then you start getting your confidence back. Wow. But um,
0: you You shared some really key highlights. What has been the kind of proudest moment for you uh, on your entrepreneurial journey?
1: That's a great to be to be really honest, I thought about this and it's it's when I had I've done the freelance thing, you know I've done all that, but when I launched my martial arts school and I had my first student sign up. That was because I don't know why. It was like the recession. It was like everyone was talking about gloom and doom, and and everyone was like, "This is a terrible time to start a business." And what are you doing? And when I got my first customer, I was. It was just. It was like. It was just so like you like, you believe in me. Like you're giving me. I don't know why. I think that a lot of people say that they'll never forget their first customer. When you do like a new venture that you're nervous about, you know, or or I know like when I've up my prices, the first person that accepts that higher price. Like that's always just – and it's not – again, it's not even about the money. It's about the acknowledgement because people will pay a lot of lip service, but people, you know, when they spend money, they spend money like it's real. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, So those have been some of them. I mean obviously doing the millions of dollars, that was a really proud moment. Um, And then when I got to repeat it uh, because then I knew that it wasn't – you know, that I wasn't, it wasn't, I felt like an imposter. That's an, imp- that's an important thing too for a lot of people. They have imposter syndrome. And i found that out when I went through it. They feel, even after they have a success in business, when you talk about mindset, that's such an important key. And, you know, when we did talk yesterday, you, you dropped some great wisdom on that because uh, mindset can just, it can really sabotage people. I mean, I've and I've seen it with world champions and martial arts. I've seen it with Olympians. Um, I'm a CrossFitter and it's so funny that just even recently they just had the CrossFit open and the guy that won it, Noah Olson, there was a video of him before like the, so if those that don't know CrossFit, you do like a workout a week for five weeks and everyone gets a score for how they do and it's videotaped and yada, yada, yada. So everyone knows it's real. But it was like the guy, when you watch Noah's tape, he was like, he was so, he doubted like You're like this is the guy that's beating two hundred thousand men around the world. Like he was just really self conscious about how, and his coach like looked, and it's so it was just really, I don't want to say funny, but it was like it was just great to see because that mindset piece is so it's so important. You know, Mm -hmm. here's a guy, he's already in the top five out of two hundred thousand men. 18 to like 40 around the world you know and it's the last workout and it's just like and he's just like just doesn't believe you know he kind of believes in himself but you just his self-talk like he, he he needed his coach there like i really felt like having watched that video he would have psyched himself out if he didn't have his coach there to just be like dude like like get your head in the game daddy you know this is what you're doing this you know just snap out of it go
0: execute Amazing. Amazing. Well, let's, let's have a little brief chat around some kind of your personal success success mantras. What are, what are some of the inner game principles that stand strong for you, that help you? I mean, you touched upon the fact that you lost your confidence and then got your confidence back. Perhaps you could elaborate on how you were able to get your confidence back and and then some of the other principles that are really strong for you in terms of your mindset as an entrepreneur. Mm.
1: Yeah, um, well, having a morning routine has been really good for me. I'm a very much um, Alex Shefrin's got a thing. He does the entrepreneurial personality type, and I really love one thing he said that entrepreneurs are momentum-based beings. That you don't necessarily relate to happy, sad, and upset, and all that. You just know whether you're 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 stagnating, you're neutral, or you're getting momentum. And it's like the more momentum you get, the more elated you feel, and that's very much me. It's even this morning. i was saying to my girlfriend, I'm like, I feel so good today because every one of my teams logged in on time, and everyone knows what they're working on. And I'm like, we got momentum. And even you, for this call, you're like, are you ready? I'm like, I'm ready. I did my workout. I got this. Is it? And like, but but but, like, I got momentum in my day. So morning routines are really important for me because it's like it just sets me off fresh. And I might still be productive other days. Um, But I just don't feel like it, you know. I just – that confidence, all that stuff. So for me, just taking care of yourself, being really in tune with yourself, your wants and needs, and surrounding yourself with like-minded people, ignoring haters. There's always going to be naysayers. Uh, Ignoring people with opinions but no results. And then one of the other things is – Actually, I use the five-minute journal, which I love. Um, and it's just, you know, it's every morning you say three things of gratitude. You write down three things of gratitude that you're grateful for. You write down three th- uh, goals for the day and you do like your personal affirmation. And for years, since I was in Japan, uh, just shy of three years, and since I very, like my first day in Japan, I had this thing, uh, this mantra I would listen to. I am living a long, happy, healthy, joyful, and wealthy life. I uh, want to live a long life. set a goal to live to be 300. So that's why it's first: long, happy, because I want to be happy. Long, happy, healthy, because if I don't have my health, I don't want to be a brain in a jar. That's going to suck. Long, happy, healthy, joyful, joyful, sharing happiness with others and making them happy. Long, happy, healthy, joyful, wealthy, because right, you don't want to necessarily. Uh, not that money's everything, but I've been poor and I've I've been what some would consider. Well off, uh, and I very much prefer the the latter. It's yes. uh, it's just yeah, and joyful, wealthy life surrounded by families and friends. So that's a big thing, um, you know. So there's okay. There's a couple of things. So here's so really what got me back on track is that. Then also, there's a great book, Think and Grow Rich, and in it, it talks about having like a mantra that you read to yourself every day, morning, noon, and night. I actually would take my iPhone and I'd have a reminder, pop it up almost once an hour, and I committed to myself that no matter what I was doing, I'd stop it and I'd read this just to remind myself. And um It's been really good for me. And it goes, I generate millions of dollars in annually recurring net income for myself and my clients with ever-increasing ease and simplicity. I sell ideas and information products, digital and or paper and ink, to provide large groups of people suffering from serious or urgent problems, access to solutions from world-class experts. Using the T times C equals money formula, I employ automated systems to generate leads, nurture prospects, make sales, fill orders, provide aftercare, and upsell, giving me this financially secure, long, happy, healthy, joyful. joyful and wealthy life surrounded by loving family, friends, and peers. And so that's, I built on it over time. And again, with Think You Grow Rich, come up with that. And that's been a really good help because it might sound silly, but just by reviewing that a couple times a day, I'll look at what I'm doing and I'm like, this is not taking, like, this has nothing to do with that. You know, and that's part of what got me my confidence back by just staying focused. Because if you see focus, if you focus on something, it's really hard to f- put full time hours into a single focus and not get results. And so that's where a lot of people get off the track. And so for me, having that was a real, you know, that being surrounded by the right people um, and just being willing to, to, that's the other thing. Like, it's not a nine-to-five job that I have to go to. It's, like, self-directed. It's what I'm passionate about. And there's, yeah, I might not enjoy some of the stuff I have to do along the way. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm on that mm. path, Like, mm. if that makes sense. So I'm still Absolutely. passionate about what I'm doing. Um, and that's an important part, too. And so, like I said, just just getting back in there, you know, has, has been I, – I, I think I – I mean, that's a big part of how I got my confidence back, was just staying focused on this and like, look, let's just say that what I happened with John was a total fluke. Let's just say that. Does that change who I want to be and what I want to accomplish and what I want to do? That doesn't change the results I got Corey. It doesn't change the fact I got my book to number one on Amazon. It doesn't change the fact that I was selling $10,000 trips to Japan, you know, to go do my favorite things for a month. Like, right? Like, it doesn't change the fact that how I've been living my life all these years. And so I knew I just needed another win. And so I really just stayed focused. and um I'm. Uh, I really don't believe in days off. That's another thing. Um, when you look outside, and uh, you don't like, you see the birds and the squirrels and stuff. None of them are like, oh, it's Saturday. I'm not going to forage for food today. If the predator comes by, I'm going to tell them to come back tomorrow. Like that just doesn't exist. Days off are like it's it's made by our society and our, and our it's it's us. Like we created our civilization created the luxury of sloth. Um, you know, and of having enough food, like a fridge that we can store food in and, and a road so we can travel like, you know. So I just, I mean, obviously you live your life. So here's the other part of it. And I'm forgive me, I know I'm going everywhere, but I also really believe that people need to have a day-to-day life that you could live forever. So when I talk about the morning routine, the other part is I set up my day to, so everything, like if there's a movie called Groundhog Day where the guy wakes up every day to the same day. And I was like, if I had to do that, what would my perfect day look like? Wow. And I really designed it. And I put like even a timeline, like I get up and I go to the gym and I do this, even, you know, even, and and you put whatever you want in there, like having sex and, you know, and having a drink glass of wine with dinner, like whatever you want, that's fine. Good, bad. You don't have to think like, you know, just be real, just be real with yourself. I want to read a book. I want to, I want to watch TV for four hours, whatever that is, it's fine. But then get into that day and just live it. And so that's part of what got me out of it too, is because I was living a day to day that I enjoyed And I was focused on very clear goals and reflecting on past accomplishments, surrounding myself with like-minded people and just really trying to do that and not get pulled because you got to be careful about who influences you. You know, if you start hanging out with a buddy and you've got goals to accomplish something and meanwhile, they don't have the same goals, uh, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Like like if I have fitness goals and then I'm hanging around with a bunch of friends that are smokers, you know, it's not really going to get me where I want to go. They can be great people but they're not going to get me where I want to go. So, so I hope fun. I answered it in there somewhere. You did.
0: That's very powerful. And I just want to touch on one thing you said as well about there's no days off. And there's, I meet so many people, you know, who they say they want to change the world and they want to change all these lives. And then they go into Starbucks and they don't treat, the Starbucks guy with respect, you know, they don't <laughs> yeah. they, they don't bring their A game, you know. So like, if you can't and th- this story came from a buddy of mine, I acknowledge Miles, for, for for giving me this story. But you know, if you don't if you don't show up as your best self in every moment with every human being, you can't expect to change the world. Yeah. In that respect, at the very basic level, there's no days off. Yep. You know? So show up as your best self. But I want I want to take a deep dive now. You, you've got this reputation of being able to create these. Monstrous uh, automated funnels of amazing results, uh, automated seven-figure funnels. I really want to take a deep dive into this now, and, uh, and really get into the fundamentals, like a high-level overview of all the components that people need to think about if they were to build their own um, seven-figure ulti- automated uh, income stream or funnel. Where where would someone start? What are the, what are the core components?
1: That's excellent. So, and again, I'm going to preface this because we're talking about mindset, and so everyone listening to this call. Why not you? So what I'm about to talk about, I've accomplished and I've helped others accomplish and why not you? Why can't you accomplish this? Okay, you can. The only thing in your way is probably yourself and the fact that you're just not committing the hours needed to it or prioritizing to it. I mean, if you have kids, you you know, then... Just go the speed you can go. Your time with your kids is super important. So I just want to preface it with that. You know, don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses. Set your own benchmark and be like, Am I living the day that you know? Am I putting the hours that I'm committing to put into this into it every day? You know, could I cut back? Do I really need to watch TV? Do I really need whatever? Because I want to say that for real uh, to preface this, because I don't want anyone to think this is beyond their reach. This is very much in their reach. So first of all. To do a seven-figure business, you need to know that you're in an industry that can actually achieve that. So a really good formula to start off with is blank units times blank price equals a million dollars. That's a great place to start at. Blank units times blank price. So that's a 1,000 units at a $1,000. That's 2,000 units at $500, or it's 500 units at $2,000. So that can give you an idea of how many sales need to make. And then you can try to take a look at the market and be like, can I take on this many people? And there's something I got from Michael Gerber Uh, in his book The E-Myth and I did their coaching and all that too back when I was spending everything I could on everything I had I I was offered to me Um, it was a rule of 10,000 you know um, when you are looking at a process in your business say even just answering the phone how would we handle 10,000 inbound phone calls how would we handle ten thousand of these and treat them all and like ensure the same quality and consistency? How would you handle ten thousand customers? How would you handle ten thousand refund requests? You know, like using that number ten thousand, you start thinking of scale right from the hop. So automation it takes a lot of forms. I like software, um, but not everything can be automated with software. So automation might just mean to the owner having a checklist and someone else that does it or a vendor that handles that portion. So mm. that, I just want to be real with that. Systems and automation are synonymous, and the system is a system. It can be software, hardware, you know, all that stuff, or it can be people who do it for you. But most of what I've done has been software and tool, online tools and programs that have done it, excuse me, have done it. The next thing I'm going to talk about. So you've got all right. I know I could probably make you know my two thousand sales of my five hundred dollar product. I think that's realistic that I can do that in a year. You know whatever that is. Okay, sure. Start there. Boom. And the reason why I start with that also is because some people might be in a business model like if you're cleaning carpets, uh, you know, and you're in a small town of like like 50,000 people, which is, I guess maybe it's the city at 50,000. I don't know. You know, are there enough people that you can serve realistically? I don't know. You know, you got to think about that. Maybe then what happens is you need to become the marketer for other carpet cleaners and then you'd go into the franchise model. So you got to look at your business model and make sure that it makes sense for seven figure, for a seven figure business. Um, then the next part of that goes back to my what I was reading in my mission statement when I talk about I generate millions of dollars in annually recurring net income for myself and my clients with ever-increasing ease and simplicity. I, I say using the T times C equals money formula, I employ automated systems to generate leads, nurture prospects, make sales, fulfill orders, provide aftercare, and upsell. So T times C got from Ken McCarthy, the godfather of internet marketing, the first man to ever do a, a seminar on internet marketing. He had Mark, I forget his name now, but the guy who made the first internet browser, Netscape. Um, you know, and he used to say T plus C. He's like the marketing game is just T plus C, and I changed it to T times C because I use it in a formula. But T plus C is traffic and conversion. So mm-hmm. there's a big conference, Digital Marketer does when traffic and conversion, but that's the name of the game. So. I do T times C because if I'm even if it's sales rep, doesn't have to be online, you know, how many doors do I need to knock on to get a sale? If I have a 10% conversion rate, then I need to knock on 10 doors to get one sale. We go back to blank units times blank price equals a million dollars. How many doors do I need to knock on? Right? Mm-hmm. So we're doing basic arithmetic here. There's no calculus, no algebra, really basic stuff. If it's an online business, how many visitors do you need to go to whatever, your sales page to make a sale? Is that too early? Do you have to nurture leads? Okay. How many visitors do I need to get to my opt-in page? Do you not have an opt-in page? That's where you start have to looking at your business as a system, as an assembly line, as a workflow process where there's a beginning and an end. Tyler Garnes, the ex-VP of Infusionsoft, has this great activity called the Power of one where you kind of walk as if it was like an amusement park ride, your client's experience from the beginning and end. If you only had one customer, if you had to make all your money off one customer, how would you do it and what would you do and how would you treat them and what would their experience be like and storyboard it out. Like, where? how do you meet them? What do you say to them? What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? When do you ask for money, right? How do you make sure they're really happy with their purchase all the way through from beginning to end and you map this out, business mind map or a flow chart or a systems diagram whatever you want to call it and then here you've got this this funnel you know because a lot of people consider a funnel like like a one part but for me the funnel is not like lead to sale and that's my funnel no no it's from it's like these four ways to capture leads and the way we make these two or three offers that then lead to these sequential offers that then lead to these referral requests that then lead to this affiliate program like do you know what I mean like that to me is a funnel like I, I to me the whole business is the funnel not one piece of it so you plan that out um and that's an important part of it, and so now it's it becomes an arithmetic game, uh, for a lot of people, you know, they're relying on things that don't scale, uh, to like the re- uh, word of mouth, you know. You talk to some business owners, especially local business owners, like word of mouth, you know. You just do. I I've, I felt so bad. I went to my girlfriend. and I went to for Indian last night. Great restaurant, peak time, six o'clock. There was us and two other couples in this big restaurant all the other tables are empty. And I'm like, these guys backstate, like, I, could, I couldn't I could comfortably enjoy my food because I knew the owners must be freaking out. Mm. Like, I'm like, from these three meals, they're barely paying enough to pay the staff, let alone the overhead and, like, every you know, and make some money for themselves. And it's because they're just, I, I, guarantee, I guarantee if I talk to them, like, well, you just, you know, you, you give them good food and you treat them really well and they like you and they decide to come back on their own. No, they don't. I went for sushi. We tried a new place for sushi and I love the place. And I asked the guy if he had a loyalty program and he said no. And I was like, damn, that's really unfortunate. I love to come back here again he's like oh we'll come back anytime i'm like okay and i left and i knew in my head like i'm such a busy guy unless you send me a reminder and give me a reason to oh yeah you know what i mean like i'm yep. just i'm just it's not going to show up so um forgive me i hope i'm not going like left right and up and down That's great. but so the overarching view of it is this t times c and you have to know what's the entry point that all your leads come from And then, what is the process? And you want to try and standardize it. And if you have seven different people in your business doing it all their own little way, kind of the same thing, but they're each doing it their own style, you got to stop that. You got to figure out who's the best at it, figure out why they're the best, and turn that into a training system, and then have everybody do what that person does, you know, or just use software to automate it. And so, um, we're talking about high level stuff here, but it's principles. And again, there's no magic room. You guys listen to this. I'm giving away the goods. So I hope you got a pen. Hope you listen to this a couple of times. Um, cause this is the goods. I mean, that's really it. And that's mm-hmm. T times C. So now you look at your whole business as a process. How much traffic do I need to get a lead? How many leads do I need to get a sale? How many first time sales do I need to get a multiple, multiple, like a repeat buyer? You know what I mean? Because everybody knows people need uh, regulars. Uh, most businesses need need regulars to stay afloat. But how many people have a process and a system to turn someone into a repeat buyer, right? And you just go through the process from start to finish, so <clears throat> it's tough if it's, if you're just going from zero. It's going to be a lot of manual. Don't worry about the automation part. Just get something up and running, and just hodgepodge your way through it, and duct tape the systems and the machines together, and just get moving. You know what I mean? Like just get, just get, uh, just get movement. We talked movement over meditation. You know, mm. meditate on it a little bit, and then execute. And then just keep building that out. And then the name of the game, it's arithmetic. I mean, you I use the analogy of the black box. I know we're going to be running out of time soon, so I'm going to try and try and keep it short, but keep it real. So I use the analogy of a black box. And the, what I mean by that is your business is a black box where people come in one side crying and in pain and suffering. And they come out the other side, big smile on their face, so excited and happy. And like that black box is all the things that need to happen for the customer to get from A to B. Whatever it is you do, you clean teeth, you clean carpets, you you sell info products, you're a coach consultant, you know, and you sell bun- uh, whatever it is. That's your black box. All that stuff needs to be standardized. And then you know, you need to know like on average after all my expenses, this is my net profit off of each customer. Okay, great. So let's take an example, say I don't even know, we can use a dentist office. Let's just say just for example's sake that I got my little black box office here. And people come in, they get their teeth cleaned, and then they go. And I know on average I make $100 after all expenses for that. Well, now I know. And that, I, let's just say that's including the upsell to the the, the the root canal and all that other stuff. On average, per customer, my lifetime customer value is $100. So now I go, okay, I make and put $100 cash in my pocket for every customer I get. So now how much of this $100 that I get to keep am I willing to spend to get more people to come into my business? Mm-hmm. And that's where advertising, and that's where a lot of the stuff, these buzz things and that people talk about, like it's, I mean, you can, you can, you can make a good living just on word of mouth. You can make a good living having your buddies refer business to you. You can do that. That's very realistic. But if you want a business that can survive the ups and downs of the economies of the world, like the, you know, the, the, whatever, the economies of the world, if you want a business that can be, I mean, the biggest difference between a local business and a nationwide business is a nationwide business can pay to get in front of their customers across the nation, think what it like. Whoa, what's that? Right. Whereas the the small business, it's like, oh well, we've got this dry cleaner that sends us a couple people a month, and you know, it's the trades guy that he's got like two or three people that field them work. Like that's great, but you got to figure out how do I meet someone totally new who doesn't know me from Tom, Dick, and Harry, and how do I one get their interest, get their attention you know how do i get them to tell me who they are so i can build a relationship with them do you know what i mean and like like that's that's the real challenge and it's simple but it's not easy and that's where you have to have you know one an entrepreneur really needs a team anyone here is listening is doing on their own just spend the money the first thing everyone in this call should do if they don't have it already is just go find a really great person in india or philippines or in the caribbean or mexico or pakistan or wherever pay them the lousy 500 to 700 a month to get a full-time assistant 40 hours a week to work with you, make it mandatory they work in your time zone, and start fielding work to them. And when they're frustrated with you or you're frustrated with them, nine times out of ten it's going to be because you're an idiot and you didn't really explain what you wanted clearly to them. Because uh, one of the things that I really love that I learned from Emith was people don't fail, systems do. And that's proven true. It's not always true, but it's proven true often. That mm-hmm. often it's just the people don't have the training or it's not explained to them or they don't have the resources or you know they haven't had their hands held through it. And that's, a, in a, you know, mentorship and training programs and all that's really important. Um, but you, you can't do this on your own. You know, you can't. You can do the freelance thing and you can charge good rates, but you're never going to escape the dollar per hour trap. You're never really going to be able to scale the business. You know, you're going to be, especially if you're a freelance thing, you're going to have to try to become a celebrity and get so much fame that you can auction off your time and people will bid it up. So you're making whatever you want to make. Otherwise, you're constantly going to be trapped by a ceiling of uh, dollars per hour.
0: Powerful, powerful stuff. And and like Daryl said, I hope you take taking notes. You know, there's so much wisdom in here. Um, you, the fortunate thing we have in this world is that this podcast is accessible anytime. Just mm-hmm. download it, play it back, take notes. There's so much gold in there. And um, as I said, Daryl has so much wisdom, so much knowledge, and we are coming up to time. So there's so much more he could share. And uh, we'll, we'll get to how he, you can connect with him shortly. But we're going to move now into the final round. Um, I do have one curveball question for you as, part, it. as part of the final round, um, being uh, a fellow podcaster and having had some amazing guests on your show, what would you say the top three lessons you've learned from some of the guests that you've had on your show? Some of the things that stood out as lessons from your guests
1: uh and and what capacity for success in business success in personal life or relationships just, or?
0: just just anything so you know one of the key benefits i've had as a hosting this show is whenever i'm listening i listen intently to what the the, the guest is saying I, I have these i have my own magic moments my own takeaways mm-hmm. from from the guest have there been some kind of kind of key things that have hit you as you've been interviewing your guests and thought oh that's that's something special what's really stood out in terms of lessons that you've learned from some of the people you've interviewed
1: um, I think the the most fulfilled people are people that are pursuing, and it's not necessarily their passion, but they have a purpose and a sense of like, like this is why I get up in the morning. You know, I think that's a really key component. There's people that I've had on my show, you know, and they're just kind of going through the motions, and they yeah, they may have had some success, and yes, they've got you know like me, I'm like an expert. They've got some expertise in some areas, and we can learn from them. But I think when the mic shuts off, and at the end of the day, I really don't think that they're fulfilled. You know, I think that they're just kind of like I said, just going like 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 a, like a non flesh eating zombie in some respect. The people that I think really left lasting impressions on me were people that had a life purpose and a life mission, something that we're connected to, which is like me with the helping create 200 new multi millionaire business owners. The million's just a goal. I just want to help business owners. I know what it was like. Like I was really empathizing with the restaurant owner at the restaurant last night because he's got his nice suit on and you know and, and you know he's done and the place looks great, but I. I just, I know, like, dude, it's Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Why is your restaurant empty? You know, like, you guys have been open, like, four months. This is not good. Like, um... And so that's a really big takeaway. Like you got to tap into that passion because you're not going to be able to anticipate all, I mean, I can, I can break it down for you as best I can and it can hopefully reduce you like listening to this and taking the notes and really thinking about what I've said can help reduce your learning curve, but there's still going to be problems and obstacles. You know, there's still going to be things that come up that make you want to give up and throw in the towel. So by really connecting with something that you're passionate about or that just, like, is is connected to you deep inside. Like, that may not be an easy thing, but it's a simple thing that comes back to the same thing building a seven-figure business or funnel. You know, it's a simple thing, but it's not easy. And these are the questions you have to ask if you're mentally fatigued because you're like, I don't know. Well, then maybe you don't want to start your own business. Maybe you just need to do a bunch of different things. I almost swore. Maybe you just need to do (laughs) a bunch of different stuff and just figure out till something connects with you. And that's okay. You know, like, like the purpose of life is to live. Alan Watts says this and I love it. He's like, the purpose of life is just to live, but everyone's running around in a hurry as if there's something to accomplish more than others than being themselves. Like, this is it. Like, this is your life. This is it. So find something you're passionate about. Jim Carrey gives a great talk and he's like, you know, my father taught me that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well go after what you love. And that was a real powerful lesson that I think has really shown through with the people that not only have the best track records, but also the people that the most fulfilled what they're doing, you know. I get sometimes people are like, Daryl, do you ever just turn off? And I'm like, no, because this is what I like. I I love this. This is this is who I am. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this isn't work for me. I'm loving this. Like talking with you right now. I might. I'm probably gonna feel guilty of this. I'm like, oh, I should have done more work that was unpleasant. But this is this is great. This is this is exactly what I need to be doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, this isn't work. So there's that there's accepting your strengths and surrounding yourself with a team and being willing to take a smaller piece of the pie because it can get a lot bigger with more hands on board um, that's a really big thing and I, I I just learn you know knowledge is power, ignorance is not bliss, ignorance is pain it is suffering it is it is disease it is all the things that you could have avoided if only you knew um,
0: Wow, wow, well, I guess that leads me very nicely to the, to the next question um, the penultimate question which is. If you were to start everything all over again now, knowing everything that you know now and having had all the experiences that you've had, what would be the first thing that you would do to start off your business if you had to go back and start again?
1: Yep. So I thought about this. I knew this one was coming. I wrote down... First, I wrote down... Like, I don't know if I was clearing my throat, but I was like, network, read all the books, keep a list of goals for your career, for your finances, for your family, your friends, your business relationships, your health, your dreams, anything you want to do charity wise, uh, and your happiness. Keep a list of those goals, review them weekly, if not more often, and track your progress. And then the other thing I would have told myself was not even just business success, but I did this. I My cousin, she's, you know, she's that, she, I, have a, I have a cousin. She's like 15, around that age. You know, um, She's she's been living with her friends and stuff for a while because she's not getting along with her parents. And she almost came to live with me for a while. And I was really encouraging it because I thought she could benefit a ton. And when she was coming here, I was like, you know, I got to kind of put some stuff down, like some house rules and stuff. Uh, just about like if you can live here, like because she's family, I would take care of her and give her whatever she needs, pay for whatever she needs to have, you know, like anyone, right? Their own child. Um, but I was like, there's some rules, and I think when I after I a- answered that first, which I think is valid, tracking those goals, mm. I thought this was something else I would really want to tell myself, and that was just that the most important things in for me, you know, forget te- watching television, forget like all the shoulds. You should do this. You should forget all that focus simply on these things, health, wealth, love, happiness, and survival skills. And I break those down. Health, focus on learning how to fix problems, how to prevent problems, how to maintain and improve your health. Wealth, focus on how to earn money, how to protect the money you earn, and how to invest it so it works for you. Love, learn how to love yourself Learn the ability to love and accept others as they are and then learn to unconditionally love both. And then happiness. Learn to be happy. Happiness is not something that will one day be ordained upon you. You have to make yourself happy. Be happy, share your happiness, and learn how to make others happy. And then survival skills. I've got social skills and communication skills, combat skills, construction and agriculture, uh, the ability to adapt and learn, time management, have healthy and successful offspring, discipline. And so if I could talk to myself, I would give myself that list and say, take a look at what you spend your days doing and make sure that your days are focused on these things, you know, and all this capacity. And that's for me personally. And then a mentor of mine once said, I can predict your future based on these three things, the books you read, types of people you meet, and the five people you spend the most time with. And so with awareness, willpower, proper routines and ritual compounded over time, you can accomplish anything you want. And that's what I would tell myself.
0: Wow. So it's, it's like the ultimate manifesto for an empowered life. That is an incredible, incredible response. And that leads us into the very final question. What does being unstoppable mean to you?
1: I think it just means living life on your own terms. You know, if some guy's goal is to just live on a mountain and fish all day and just have his little hut and like a dog or something, you know, if that's success to him, then that's it. So unstoppable really just means not letting other people pull you into their plan. If you don't have any goals for yourself, you know, or any plans for yourself, other people will happily recruit you to work to help them achieve theirs. And so I think really being unstoppable is just living with intent. Um, you know, life is short, but if you live with intent, life is really long. Like I am loving my life, and I could die at any time, and I'd be, I I would I don't want to die, but I would honestly look back and feel like I burnt as few bridges as possible. I have repaired as mended as many as of those. Of those of those burnt bridges as I could, and I've just done the best I could in this world to just give value and be valuable, and to just make sure that like I even told you today, like I you know I'm self-employed, but I started work a half hour late. Why? Because I went with my girlfriend, and my dog to the dog park. Because I went to the gym and I just had such a great morning. And instead of just taking the dog out so it could go to the bathroom and running back upstairs, or like let's just go do something. It's such a beautiful day. Let's go take a half hour and just enjoy the day. Let me just love my dog. Let me love myself. and my girlfriend. You know, and let's just be happy. Let's just invest 30 minutes and happiness because like that list i gave you the health wealth love happiness and the survival skills so um yeah so that's that's really it
0: amazing life on your own terms well daryl you are unstoppable i thank you for unleashing your greatness on today's show the final thing for us to figure out is how do the listeners connect with you how do they find out more about your work where can they find your podcast what's the best way for someone to reach out to you
1: sure so the podcast is called the best business podcast and that's not to be arrogant or anything it's because when i did my research that's the keyword everyone's searching for that's that's what the title everybody wanted the best business podcast boom that's my name all right yeah so that's what it's called the best business podcast it's on iTunes and stitcher and all that place you can search for my name daryl urbanski d-a-r-y-l urban u-r-b-a-n ski s-k-i i'm on all the social media so connect with me there whoever you like and also you can go Check out bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California and just get involved, get on the list. You know, again, movement over meditation. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. I do my best to help everyone I can. If I can help you, I would love to help you. If I can't help you, I'll tell you that too. Or my website and our products and services will say that. And, um, you know, again, don't put any of us on a pedestal. Just, just, Take a take a measurement of where you're at now and where you want to be and just every day, just, am I getting taller? You know, I'm trying to do 100 push-ups. How many do I do today? 20. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to try and do 21. And just find a way to enjoy the journey and just really enjoy your day-to-day life. I think that's, I think that's, super important for everyone you know if you're constantly passing someone at three o'clock in the afternoon who stresses you out and fills you with like puts your stomach in a knot you're actually training yourself that even when you're not in that environment you're going to feel that anxiety and that stress at three o'clock i know because when I have martial arts we would change our training hours to match the tournaments and competitions because you would perform better physically by conditioning yourself so it's really important you just manage that day-to-day i just i really think that there's so much to that the time management to get that 24 hours down Um, But yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me, website, podcast, social media, you know we're only a couple clicks away. Um, And stay in touch with Dan. He's a good guy. He's not going to lead you astray. I know he's got goodness in his heart for you too. And just thank you all for listening. And Dan, thank you for having me here.
0: Daryl, thank you so much. All the links from uh, Daryl's business will be in the show notes today. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and uh, sharing so openly and candidly on the Unstoppable podcast today. It was a pleasure. Hey peeps, what a cracking way to start the three-part mega business series. In addition to Daryl's four-part formula to building a seven-figure business, I absolutely love Daryl's success philosophies, which I truly believe are the fuel that power any successful business. Your mindset as an entrepreneur and leader is what sets the trajectory for your business and your success. And as always, I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts and key insights from today's show. So please come and join the conversation over at danjgregory.com forward slash 41 and leave your comments in the blog. I'd love to hear from you. On Monday, I'll be back to share my own key takeaways from today's interview and a new set of unstoppable insights to help you to become unstoppable. And then... On Thursday, next week, I'll be back with Justin Brooke for part two of the mega business series, where we will take a deep dive into the T&C part of Daryl's formula and explore how to maximize traffic and conversions, along with many great business lessons from one of the titans of the internet. So to make sure that you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show And if you enjoy the Unstoppable podcast, then I'd be incredibly grateful if you would kindly leave a five-star review for the show on iTunes. It really helps me get the message out because like you and I, iTunes loves the highly rated shows. So that's it. We are done for this week until Monday. Have an incredible weekend. Go out there, unleash your greatness, build your empire, make your impact and live your ultimate life. You are unstoppable.